0: But I was going to say, when you said you had computer problems, that meant you're banging your, own la- your old lady, right?
1: If only. No, it was actual <laughs> computer problems. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. Go on. No, I schedule that stuff so it doesn't impact the podcast. That's a level of professionalism I have not reached yet. You know, I'm committed to the show. So I make sure I make sure that stuff happens so it doesn't
2: impact the business. Yeah, there's no risk here. My wife is not a morning person. Morning sex, <laughs> not on the table, ever. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. What
3: are, we, what are we talking about? Hold on. Sugar. I'm trying to do too many things at once.
1: Did he just call me sugar?
3: No. Well, it's my way it. for not swearing.
1: When did this happen?
3: Well, uh, Years? It's, it's very weird. I can't even say why I censored that. Fuck. I'm trying to do too many things
1: at once. <laughs> I got down there on Thursday night and uh, was looking for a place to eat. And El Paso is just ridiculous with chain restaurants. And I'm not going to be that guy who goes all the way to fricking El Paso and has dinner at Chili's. Yeah, and, hell no. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and so I'm looking for, you know, something that looks local, something that looks authentic. And I find this place and it's called Andales. It is this gigantic, you know, Mexican food restaurant. They were proud of their mariachi. You know, they had like two different mariachi bands going and it wasn't just the roaming, you know, mariachi band that comes and, and sings at your table stage lighting and the crowd keep in mind only white guy in the room uh (laughs) the crowd is all doing that yeah 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 you know at with at the the mariachi guys (laughs) and you know i had brought my ipad in because i was going to read comics while i had dinner no no (laughs) no no it was uh it was me uh you know listening to the mariachi and the mariachi band was great they were really good but it was just it was the most uh it was the, the it was the the it was cultural immersion, is what it was.
3: I, I do want to point out, Aaron, that you were the guy that went to St. Louis and went to uh, Denny's twice.
1: <laughs> but that <laughs> was, was just for breakfast. Yeah, but isn't uh, Denny's the St. Louis? Uh, you know, stamped. You know, this is the St. Louis breakfast, isn't that? It is. It, it is not. I was told that it was. I was told A. pancake A. Puppies. puppies were born in St. Louis. There's
0: actually a really good place called not in Kansas. That's like I was gonna say that's Kansas City, it has Succotash, it's really good. It's a local diner place for breakfast. I I'm not sure where where would be a good place. I think none of us know St. Louis that well.
2: Except Wayne. He wasn't with us. Well, but yeah, we're just gonna go over to his house for breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> Done. See, <laughs> breakfast <laughs> breakfast we've got Uncle Bill's. That's uh that's our given breakfast place. Uh we've got a lot of comfort food like Eat Ride right and Courtesy Diner. Uh-huh. Um i think of what's unique here that's not in other places. Our Paneras are St. Louis Bread Companies because it all started that, here. That's true. That, that Panera actually is St. Louis. Yep. They just decided that other cities wouldn't uh, – people wouldn't shop at restaurants that were called St. Louis Bread Company because St. Louis didn't have a defined food style. So <laughs> they changed the name to Panera. Except for like chili on your spaghetti. That's not everywhere?
1: Yeah, that's a St. Louis thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh chili on your spaghetti
2: yeah it's called chili mac only it's not macaroni spaghetti
1: With Aaron, Timmy, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Tim.
2: This is Wayne. Uh, This is Andrew. Tim, you deserve to go second because you did work for this episode. That's right. I'm looking at the outline that you put together and I bow because you put more effort into this episode than I will.
3: You know, Paul said he was irreplaceable.
1: (laughs) I think that's wrong. We (laughs) we have proved otherwise. Lifts right at. Now you're going to get the show artwork all together and uh, coordinate some interviews, right?
3: Uh well I mean how long has it been since our last interaction?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm needing you to to perform at a higher level than Paul though. See I'm I'm setting the bar higher. I want
0: to oh. get I want to get Nick Spencer on. Can you work on that for me Tim? Well,
1: and you and, know I think that
3: once I see my business cards that will motivate me to the success. <laughs> that Paul's had.
1: Now you still can,
2: haven't got those yet. Might look wonderful.
1: <laughs> now Tim are you willing to adopt a Hispanic surname? No. <sighs> Come on Tim. You can just go with Rodriguez, and then
0: everyone will get you and the other Tim Rodriguez confused.
3: Yeah, it would be weird, but I'll tell you what, Aaron, for the media
2: – for the media pictures, I will wear a Luchador mask. Oh, excellent. Wayne Problem has- solved. Problem solved. I do not have a Luchador mask.
1: <laughs> that boggles he my called- mind if you don't have a Luchador mask. It, he just calls it his sweet-loving mask.
3: <laughs> the Stranger Danger <laughs> play mask.
2: If you want to borrow a cape or a cloak or a Spider-Man costume – I, I could I could arrange for that, yeah, because but I, don't LFA, have a I can do that. So,
1: Andrew, yes, sir, like you, you went and you did it. You went and saw John Carter, didn't you?
0: I did. Last Sunday night, me and my buddy Uriah uh, headed out. We didn't have our game group like we usually do. So we went and saw uh, John
1: Carter and Mars. And, and And it rocked your world, didn't it?
0: So I'm not going to sound like the 12 year old fangirl you did last week but i will go and say yes john carter was 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 very good uh the cgi was gorgeous uh the acting was good uh, the plot was 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 excellent um i, I can't say anything bad about it. it it's a good movie and if you like sci-fi fantasy i would i would urge you to go out and see it because in terms of money it did not do good last weekend
2: no this is amazing Me, the movie is doing horribly compared to how much they paid for it. The reviews coming in are all you know, basically trashing it. But every single person I've talked to that has actually gone and seen the movie has loved it. I mean, we heard Aaron last week. Uh, Chad on uh, Tuesday had like a half-hour conversation with me about how wonderful the movie was. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and you
1: know, I can't get over the fact – I can't believe that it wasn't until the credits rolled that I realized that Willem Dafoe voiced Tars Tarkas – <laughs> I mean, because did, he didn't sound like Willem Dafoe. In
0: in our circles, in my circle, the only person I've run into who did not really, who, who I know personally, who went to go see John Carter, who did not enjoy it, is Jake Ekas. Everyone else I know
1: loves it. Yeah, and Jake Eekus is essentially broken inside, as most <laughs> artists are. Uh, so uh, emotionally
3: depraved. you know it, fuel, it fuels
1: it fuels his artwork. You know that 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 brokenness. <laughs> so you know you can you can forgive that of, of Jake.
0: Reading people's Twitter feed, it's there's all this back and forth about it. And subjectively, you can say the movie's great, like I do, and Aaron does. You can say it's not good, and that's your subjective opinion. That's that's fine, but financially. It's pretty objective numbers. It only made thirty million in the box office's opening weekend here in the U.S. Right. Worldwide, it brought in about another seventy million for a total of about a hundred million dollars, which is not a small amount of money. But the official production budget was two hundred and fifty million dollars. The I've seen figures for three hundred three hundred fifty million once you add in all the advertising they they put
2: into it and, and everything they did after it was it was made. You know. Looking at the numbers, this is the first time I've ever seen foreign be almost double what the you know what domestic is. Usually, it's the other way around. It makes more money in the U.S. and then foreign, you know, it's a nice amount of money to add to it. But it's never, never like this. This has apparently found its market overseas, but it's just bombing in the U.S.
0: Yes, financial in financial terms, you're you're absolutely right. And and a couple of movies that mimic this. Johnny English movies do this,
2: The Legend of Arietti does this. Um, the Legend of Arietti though, I I completely blame Disney on that. They did a horrible job promoting this movie. It didn't show up in many theaters. I took my wife to it. She absolutely loved it and I thought it was a it was a good a great movie for kids. I mean but, Studio Studio Ghibli does a great job and if you yeah. like Ghibli stuff, you're going to love Legend Arietti, so. I completely blame Disney for its failure in the US. That was a you know, that was a basically a chance for them to print money, and they failed. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not
0: common, but you're right. There's not many movies where you see kind of the, the percentages reverse. So I just I'm don't hoping know. maybe go, – oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Andrew. You finish your thought. I'm just saying I – because I would love to see a second John Carter movie with this yeah. level of budget and production put into it. And it's not going to happen unless uh, the money starts rolling in because the studios – and I don't know if you guys know this, but studios really see about fifty cents on the dollar from the box office. Mm-hmm. And so, for the box office to break even, they need to make another four hundred million dollars more or less. Uh, and then, of course, you got the aftermarket. you got DVDs. I don't know if you're gonna see much merchandising off this, but you got the DVD market afterwards, and, and I
1: gotta say, you know I, I went looking for uh, you know a tars Tarkas figure <laughs> when I came home from the theater, and did you find it no. Yeah. No, and I, that was startling to me because, you know, what 12-year-old boy doesn't want a four-armed 9-foot tall green-skinned alien to play with? You well, know, you got that dog, <laughs> you could have one of those dogs. Yeah, I mean, I it, th- that was surprising to me. You know, usually the merchandising leads the movie. You know, that that starts well in advance of the film. So, that somebody had an idea it wasn't going to do well, uh that they didn't had that stuff in on store shelves.
0: Well, it's it's kind of schizophrenic because they they dumped a ton of money into advertising yeah. into the movie. But you're right; there's no merchandising. There's no you know you know Taco Bell. You didn't have your John Carter uh-huh. cups or or Burger King or wherever. You yeah, didn't you, have any, yeah, yeah.
1: You
2: can't get your your Seven Eleven Slurpee cup. I mean, exactly. well, I mean, they dumped money into like. Advertising, you know, trailers and things. Uh-huh. Those trailers, none of them gave me any indication of what the movie was actually like. Talking to Aaron and then talking to Chad and a few other people have seen it. They're the ones that have sold me on going to see this movie by telling me things that were never in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I had no clue from the trailer that he was a Civil War, you know, <laughs> vet that he was uh, that he had powers on Mars because of the gravity differential. It, None of that comes out in any of the trailers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I and think the trailers,
2: been- the problem with the trailers, they all presuppose you had a clue what John Carter was. Because as they as it comes out, they make a big deal out of it being John Carter from Mars. Like that means something to us. How many people have actually read that book versus the number of people they're trying to get into the theaters? Yeah. yeah. Having never heard of John Carter before, I need an explanation about what it what the story was. And they didn't provide that for any of the trailers. Another been. another big failure here.
1: The thing that really confuses me that I just totally don't understand is the night and day differences in the reviews. You know, because Andrew and I have both seen the movie and both of us, you know, strongly enjoyed it. I mean not just liked it, but we, you know, strongly enjoyed it. I don't understand what movies some of the critics are seeing. You know, I, I, I don't I, I don't see the arguments uh in the film because I just, again, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I'm pretty critical about my media. I mean, I was, go ahead.
0: That's, that's just based on subjective differences. I mean, Ebert hated Lord of the Rings for God's sake. You're going to find people (laughs) who are going to say bad things about it. Either a, because subjectively for them, it's not a good movie or B because they're want to dovetail with, you know, Jonathan on our other show the other night pointed out, you know, stories about movies it's either oh a great success breakthrough success or oh it's a huge flop right and so people are looking to put each movie each big movie into one of those two holes
2: yeah and wasn't ebert the one that uh said that uh batman begins was just too dark of a batman
0: i don't recall but could have been i'm sure someone i'm sure someone big said that about it so um Subjectively, you can always find people are going to naysay, but I, I thought it was great. I, I recommend everybody get out to go
1: check it out. Yeah, it was really good. And and something else to be excited about is that uh, Norfolk State beat the hell out of the University of Missouri yesterday.
3: Uh, yeah. March Madness, go! Uh-huh.
2: So what sport is that?
3: I, I was going to ease in there. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> we were we had a we had a we had a, a gentleman's agreement to have a bet once uh, Missouri and Michigan State made it to the uh, Elite Eight. And,
2: so, uh, still, I'm not kidding. What sport is that,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wayne? You're such a nerd. <laughs> it's college you, basketball, Wayne.
2: Ah, uh, So, why does anyone care? Because. Well, I. I go to the University
0: of Missouri. I, I went to University of Missouri and now work uh, in the vicinity. I still work in the same town that the University of Missouri is in, at, in Columbia. So I, I'm obviously – I was raised to, to be a Missouri fan. My parents went to Missouri. brother went to Missouri. About five generations went to Missouri. So, His wife know, is a super fan. My wife is actually a huger fan than I am, yeah.
1: Well, and it's uh, important to note that Paul's Norfolk State University uh, dominated University of Missouri. Aaron
0: it's hard for me emo when I'm trying not to laugh at you making that noise
2: <laughs>
0: so yeah it was a disappointing day uh, yeah Missouri was a second seed uh, they were they were highly ranked uh, to go far President Obama had them in his top final four uh, in his bracket that he published over at ESPN uh, and yeah lost to 86- 86 84, and uh, it was it was a uh, very depressing. And my only solace is that Duke, another number two seed, got got knocked out by Lehigh uh, as well. So there you go.
3: The park in Rainsboro?
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> they have this all squirrel team led by this guy called the Coyote. That's nice. I don't mess with the squirrels. Those things seem vicious. <laughs> right.
3: well, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very sorry that your team uh, lost before they could lose to my team.
0: But uh, well, and how, how's Michigan State doing so far?
3: Well, they're still dancing. They still got the shoes on. So.
0: Who, who they face in the first round? Uh, nobody in particular. <laughs> 16 seed.
3: It wasn't Paul's uh, YMCA team. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> I think. I think actually, I've never heard of this. I think you faced LIU Brooklyn. Right. And I think you won 89-67.
3: I, don't, I didn't have it up in front of me. All I knew is we were we we had uh, we uh, crushed. So. Yeah, I am sorry that we aren't going to get to see the uh, Disney Channel sing off. That would have been the uh, you know the embarrassing bet.
0: But yeah, we we had planned that uh, we we hadn't hammer six. But it, had we our teams faced, uh, the loser was going to have to do something like sing a show tune on the podcast or. Wear a dress. I'm not sure where we're going yet, but it was going to be something.
1: Well, publicly well humiliating. maybe Tim and Paul can do that if uh, you know their two teams face off. I right. wouldn't hold your breath on Norfolk State. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, they could shirt. do it. They could
3: do it. They could rally.
0: The irony will be if they actually do make it to the, the evening <laughs>
1: date.
3: I'll tell you Our right f- now, Andrew, I'll make this bet with you. If Norfolk State beats Michigan State, we will
1: both sing show tunes together.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, Everybody you got to you know, send your positive energies to Norfolk State because this has to happen <laughs> live at uh, Fear the Con. And <laughs> I was thinking I could wear,
0: wear a kilt to, you know, like one slot of Fear the Con. I, I, I had some ideas, but. Okay,
1: I want you to wear a kilt, but I want you to wear one of those uh, girly tilted kilts. Well, <laughs> I was going to get mine
0: from, I was going to get mine on Hot Topic, so yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like an XXL for yeah. you know, same design for a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Well, hey, you know, I know we talked about this uh, several weeks ago. You know, when when Paul was on, I don't know if anybody okay, remembers who you, that guy is. But who's Paul? Uh, Paul. He, he he used to be on the show. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Puerto anyway, Rican <laughs> what was that, Andrew?
2: Puerto Rican fellow. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That guy. Um, <laughs> uh, I saw Justice League Doom last night. Uh, it's uh, out on Blu-ray right now, and. While I enjoyed the movie, what I really dug about it was the uh, special features. They had this fantastic uh, documentary retrospective on Dwayne McDuffie because you know he had w- written the script for Justice League Doom.
0: Dude,
1: uh, died about a year ago, right? Yeah, died uh, February 2011, and it had all these different folks on there. It had his wife on there, uh, different DC and Marvel editors and writers, and a bunch of the milestone guys. Um, I know a lot of folks, you know, will like, you know, download the movie from uh, you know, Amazon or Netflix or something or but uh, the the special features really do make that, that 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 movie. I really enjoyed the Dwayne McDuffie retrospective. So highly recommended big thumbs up go see it. Uh good stuff
2: there. There you go. See, I I was hoping you'd just glow about how wonderful it is because I've been looking forward to uh yeah, to Justice League Doom, hoping it would be really good. It is good. Um, there are some things
1: about the movie that frustrate me. Um, none of it has to do with the writing or or direction, other than the art direction. I don't like the way uh, Superman is is illustrated in the movie. Um, he looks he his character seems too based on the Superboy character from the Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes show. And I just don't care for that take on Superman. Um, I also have a, have a problem with the way some of it's choreographed. The set pieces are a little too large for the action. And you, it doesn't really confine the environment very well. And that, that, that annoyed me some. I also think that Vandal Savage is voiced wrong. Other than that, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> what? I don't want to be too critical because I did, I did, I did like the movie, but there are just some things that stuck out at me. Vandal Savage was probably the thing that bothered me the most. In that, uh, he, I just felt like he was voiced really wrong. I feel like Vandal Savage has got to have this really deep, you know, rumbling base of a voice. I, I feel like when Vandal Savage
2: talks, it should sound almost like rumbling thunder, you know,
3: or like, Ur- or like Urkel.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's See, i really liked what they did with vandal savage and young justice because uh-huh. uh, i've been excited young justice is back and there are new episodes coming out and that show is still unbelievably good I mean, it's the first one of these cartoons that seems to actually have access to the full catalog of whoever they want to grab from dc and the uh vandal savage was in the last episode and you just i thought he was handled very well i like the voice
0: now what uh but what's the general plotline of Justice League doing? What's the what's the general it's, premise?
1: It's based on the Tower of Babel JLA story by Grant Morrison, where uh, a bad guy steals Batman's uh, uh, failsafes for oh, okay. Justice Got League was bad. Got it. And you know, of course, they changed around. Instead of Rajah Ghul, it's it's uh, uh, Vandal Savage. And, and again, really very good. You know, they they do squeeze Cyborg into this story. You know, and again, it's that whole <laughs> we're gonna make Cyborg a bigger guy than he actually is, um, and they actually talk about that in one of the special features. Jeff Johns talks about how it's Cyborg's time. You know, uh, they've they been saying that for years. Yeah, well, and they have, and, and again, the 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 special features really do make the disc. They got Marv Wolfman on there talking about it, and there's a lot of references back to the the original Teen Titans that uh, Wolfman and Perez did. You know, I I felt like Cyborg was shoehorned in for really no good reason. Uh, still
2: really enjoyed the movie see i wonder why they changed the name of the movie because tower of babel is such a well-known story i mean it's one of the probably grant morrison at his best i mean Mm -hmm. i'm everyone knows i hate grant morrison but that story is my one of my favorite if not my favorite justice league story of all time and unlike usual grant morrison stuff it plays perfectly in with the characters he doesn't mess up anything history wise at all and it makes perfect sense it's like the anti-morrison story
0: now just to be clear this has nothing to do with the genesis story tower Babel. correct okay
1: correct no it's 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 uh story starts out the guy the the uh justice league's breaking up a a bank job and next thing you know mirror master has broken into the bat cave and stolen batman's secret files Damn! Stupid Mirror Master!
2: Oh, that—that's cheap. Mirror Master stole them. Well,
1: under the direction of uh, Vandal Savage. You know, Spoilers, my, Aaron. My fan
0: was
3: busy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you really enjoy Justice League Doom? It sounds like. But what? T- tell tell us what you the next
1: big thing you're excited about is. Well, I am I, I am over here just you know doing backflips and cartwheels because. IDW announced yesterday over at WonderCon that Mark Waid, uh, creator of Irredeemable and Incorruptible, writer of Kingdom Come, uh, and just all-around fantastic Superman guy, is going to be writing a new miniseries for IDW, uh, illustrated by Chris Somney, uh, one, of, one of my favorite artists. They're going to be doing a Rocketeer book. And right now, that guy that used to be on the show, Paul, is squealing with delight.
2: <laughs> I, I think I'm with him. I mean, even before you got to Rocketeer, I don't normally follow creators, uh-huh. but you hit, you hit two creators that I am huge fans of. Yeah. I actually do follow Mark Wade wherever he goes because he doesn't disappoint me. Somni's art is great. And then you throw that onto the Rocketeer. Oh, yeah. I love the movie. Yeah.
1: Well and and Chris Somney's art is just just really born for for the for something like the Rocketeer because it's so pulpy. I, I just I cannot wait. And they even had an image uh that they shared yesterday with uh you know some of his take on the Rocketeer and it just looks fantastic. I cannot wait. Awfully excited about that. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I know that Tim is in particularly excited about Avengers versus X Men, largely because he's going to buy every single title. Right, no. Tim? No, we're not That's buying your,
3: every single title. Every Tim, single did title. You, that did you win the, the
1: lottery, Tim?
3: No. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm so torn because everything I, I see is, has been pretty interesting, and I, I'm like, well, do I just get do I do the Wayne and just get like the main Avengers versus X Men title? Does that mean that I stop buying the books that I have been buying, like Wolverine and the X Men?
0: Oh no, don't stop that. That's good. I,
3: I I don't know what to do. Well,
0: what? What do you, what do you guys? What do? What's the list? You got the main book. What else is out there for that? Oh. That's going to tie into Avengers vs. X Men.
3: Wow, that would have been a good thing to have open. Wouldn't it? <laughs> that would have.
0: Been <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> oh, I thought the listeners might want to know.
3: Well, I'm sure they do.
0: They can look it up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> guys.
2: Just Google it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll put it this up. This spot here. for okay. editing. <laughs> the prologue is Marvel Point One One Shot, Avengers X Sanction One through Four, and Avengers vs. X-Men number zero. The core miniseries is Avengers versus X-Men one through twelve, and the tie ins are Avengers versus X-Men versus 1 through 6, Avengers 25 to 30, Uncanny X-Men 11 to They Haven't Said, New Avengers 24 to They Haven't Said, Wolverine and the X-Men 9 to They Haven't Said, Secret Avengers 26 to They Haven't Said, X-Men Legacy 266 through They Haven't Said, and Avengers Academy 29 through... They haven't said. No. <laughs> well, Tim, you already you're already buying at least two of those books. I know. <laughs> you know, I
3: don't know.
2: I you all know how I feel about uh, tie-ins, but you know, I actually am not overly upset about the Avengers Academy being part of the tie-in because they were the only good Fear itself tie-in. So I give them credit for that, and they have already dealt with somewhat with the X Men. So, I mean, I think this can happen logically without screwing up the title like most tie-ins do. Yeah, I'm just really
0: looking forward to seeing Wolverine divide himself into four separate people <laughs> and so they can fight on
2: every side at once.
3: Well, if you get the Marvel book, um, I think they had that conversation between...
2: Yeah, Captain America and uh, Wolverine, where Cap is asking him, can I count on you and your school? Maybe that was just in the back of X-Men. It was, it was uh, in the uh, back Wolverine of X-Men i say it was in the back of every Marvel book that I had this week. Yeah. We,
3: we saw a little bit of that conversation.
2: And you know, now that you Wolverine that.
3: takes both claws and throws Cyclops, on, er, claw, er, yeah, Cyclops under the bus. Just,
0: I don't think I read a Marvel book this week. That's probably why this is all new to me.
3: Well, welcome to a brave new world. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, there's a lot of this cover, a lot of the artwork of, like, when you see the 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 page spread of like Archangel and Daredevil and uh, I don't remember a couple of the other ones, but it was just it was nice art and I'm like, is that going to be the Versus series?
2: Oh, wow, I thought Archangel was dead. Well, he's in the pictures. He got better. <laughs> yeah, that, and he, and that happens frequently with the X Men.
3: Well, yep. Ar- Archangel's not the angel's alive. I don't know if they're going to do something about that, but give him his arc back, make him cool again. I don't know. When was he ever cool? Uh, when he got all emo and like metal wings and was raiding razor blades,
2: oh let's hell kill, yes. let's, let's yeah, was killing Arch- people. Archangel was by far my favorite X Men for years, really? and it goes back to that original X Factor story.
3: Ugh. Oh yeah, back,
2: he back to when he, the, be, yeah. yeah, back when he first got him and when he was uh, one of the Horsemen of Apocalypse, clear through to his relationship with Psylocke, his uh, his time fighting against Apocalypse. I mean always one of my favorite of the X-Men. Wow, I've always hated that character. He's I always, always hated, hated you, Aaron. <laughs> I always hated Angel because Angel seemed kind of pointless yeah. just having feather wings, but Archangel was always a badass.
0: Angel yeah. bankrolled things. I mean, that that was his purpose. Yeah, He, wh- he, he had h- the
2: mad money. He could write
1: a fucking check.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That's right. He had a 401k for God's sake. He was the Tony Stark of the X-Men except for all of the fighting ability.
3: Oh man when he, he there was there was a scene in Executioner's Song where he turned wrong and he decapitated a dude because he had the metal wings come on
2: Oh Executioner's Song is my favorite X-Men crossover besides Age of Apocalypse I mean that was one of the first crossovers I had ever read the uh, the first what if I ever bought was a what if about the Executioner's Song I mean, if I wish I had every issue of that Crossover because it was so good.
3: Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what because you know X Men crossovers have been pretty darn good.
2: I mean, maybe I
0: go back to I go back to Execution Agenda or Extinction Agenda. I'm sorry, back with the the Genosha storyline. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. I I, I loved it. And that was one of my first big crossovers I read through, and it was. I still have fond nostalgic memories of it.
1: So Wayne, you know, your 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 favorite X Man is. Archangel, Tim. Who's your favorite X-Man? Oh, that's tough. You
0: know it's Kitty Pride,
1: Tim.
3: No, I, I have a special place for Kitty Pride, but
0: <laughs>
1: you talked <laughs> keep, about it before, so he keeps her in a box
2: under the bed.
3: Man, I uh, man, I like me some Beast. I gotta be honest.
2: Well, He's what, not drawn like a cat. There we go. Kitty Pride would be my favorite Ultimate X-Man.
1: Andrew, who's your favorite X-Man?
2: Ah. Uh. So
0: my runner-up is Mohawk Storm from the '80s, but yeah. I think uh,
1: for me sitting here now, I'm gonna go with Colossus. Oh, yeah. See, you know, he's my favorite as well. I love Colossus. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't much care for what they have done with him recently. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, back in the '80s, uh, if there was a, a main Colossus story, I was all over that. I loved how uh Whedon handled him in Astonishing X-Men
2: oh I love this everything about Whedon's Astonishing X-Men it was just an amazing book I just but you you're saying you like Colossus back when he was uh going after Jailbait yes absolutely absolutely
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know he's this artist you know he's he's kind of this general giant but he's also this raging indestructible force of fury yeah and he sleeps with 15 year old Kitty Pride. I'm sorry eh he was like 17. It's fine. That's right. I mean, not legally, but...
3: That's what his Russian driver's license says.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> In Russia? No. Uh, I yeah, can't I, you know, I know when we started off on this whole AVX uh, thing earlier... You were negative. You were down oh, on it. I was hard on it. I mean, I. but they've done a really good job selling me. I'm, I'm excited about AVX. Not excited enough to read X-Sanction. Uh, what are but, you
0: going to pick up,
1: Aaron? I'm going to pick up the core titles and everything that I'm already reading, which would be my Avengers books, Avengers Academy. Uh, I don't think I'm reading any of those other X-Men titles. I'm excited to see that it's not hitting uh, Astonishing because I've, <laughs> I've been enjoying Astonishing, and I, I, I hate to see the story there derailed.
2: Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm picking up the core titles, and I'm picking up anything I'm already getting, which is only Avengers Academy.
3: I'm really and glad Wolverine it. and the X-Men f- fell on that bullet for you, Aaron.
2: <laughs> well,
1: and, you know, I started picking up Wolverine and the X-Men under your recommendation. And I've hit that point that you warned me about. Uh I'm I'm having a hard time finishing issue three.
3: Oh yeah, no, you should have started issue four.
1: Yeah, I'm I have I yeah, I really enjoyed issue one. Issue two, not so great. Issue three, I mean I it has you know, normally you, you finish a comic book in what, twenty minutes or so. And uh, I I am on day three of trying to plow through that one because I just <laughs> man I'm not enjoying it.
3: Earl, do me a favor, get issue four. You uh-huh. can stop reading issue three. <laughs> and yes. and if you don't like issue four, then you can then you can then you should tap out. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah. No. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be impulse buying, and it's weird because Fear itself zero care for that. I didn't I didn't want any of those books. Yeah. I didn't. Not interested at
1: all. I don't think they did as did as good a job selling Fear itself as they did with uh, AVX.
0: Well, but you know, my I, key, I'm sorry. Mikey, question is, who's writing AVX? The main title, isn't that Bendis? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so there you go. You got Bendis, who I like a lot of the stuff he does, yeah. and then you had Fraction back on Fear itself, who, mm. let's be honest. What's they're excited about about his stuff in the the last two, three, four years?
1: Well, and I think it's it's an easier sell to say, you know who the Avengers are. You know who the X-Men are. These guys are going to fight, you know, versus Fear
2: Itself. (laughs) These guys are going to fight, and the Phoenix is coming. That's right.
1: Whereas in Fear Itself, you know, you're selling it as the Avengers are going to – Avengers and everybody are going to fight this thing that you've never heard of before and really don't – care about <laughs> no <laughs>
3: you know you know what i found pretty interesting is that um in the because in the back of the of the uh one of the marvel books it shows it shows uh cyclops in his in his brain trust which is the white queen uh namor looking imperious rex like magneto and colossus who now has juggernaut
0: powers right so mm-hmm. so they don't have nemesis in that groom? that's a shame nemesis should, nemesis nemesis should be standing there
3: well, it's kind of outside. It's not inside his lab. He doesn't leave his lab.
1: Nemesis well, except to the, kill Nazis. Nemesis is the uh, X Club guy. Is that right? White he, suit. He's kind
0: of the, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: he's,
0: he's kind of the old scientist guy who yeah. who the only two things in life that he loves are uh, are uh, helping heal, helping people, you know, healing them, taking care of them, doctoring to them, and killing Nazis. All right, I see, I can get behind that. <laughs> He's great. I I think
2: that was uh was that that was an. I don't know. I I'm not sure if I can get behind a character that was, that was the heal people. I mean, <laughs> the healing people. I I don't know. It was
0: great. He just he just slapped Magneto around one day, and uh, it was it was good. But anyway, enough digression there. I I think I am also in for the main series since I've come back to comics. I haven't really been reading many Marvel books. Uh, Avengers Academy. I've been reading in trade. I haven't really been reading any of the Avengers titles, so I don't know if this is going to entice me into picking them up now. But I'm definitely in for the core title. Very so what,
3: let me let me just make a make a bold statement, Andrew. I'm guessing you're in for Batman and Robin Eight.
0: Well, I, I am in for Batman and Robin Eight because the story of Bruce and Damian Wayne continues to to engage me, and 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 I love it. But I, I do have some reservations about Batman Number Seven.
1: I was not in love with this book. Batman number 7 or Batman and Robin number 7? Batman and Robin number 7. Okay. And so oh so so tell us your thoughts on the book, Andrew.
0: Well, it starts with the cover. I think that cover's horrible. <laughs> I mean, you have I mean, how did his mask get torn like that? I mean, and his hair, the part that's out is just it's, it still looks beautifully styled it, anyway. <laughs> He's got like, it's like he wandered into the cutlery department at a at a department store. And had a horrible accident. And I'll tell you, if you have six knives buried into your back that deeply, you're not going to be fighting anybody. Unless you're Batman. No, no, <laughs> he's, he's not a superhero. He's a guy, but he's he's got training. He's like a ninja. I don't Batman. care if both your lungs are full of blood and air; you can't breathe. But
2: Batman are able to breathe through the blood. <laughs> But the knives are having to go through the cape and the costume. So how right. deep are they really in him? We'll
0: get to that. So when we get into the actual pages of the book, we'll, we'll get there. But, but for the cover, I just think it's an ugly, awful, awful cover. So basically this book, uh, just to set the stage, it, nobody's torturing Damien. Bruce Wayne shows up. Probably 70% of the book is the two of them fighting. And then you have the part I loved. Was the end after uh, obviously Batman wins the the resolution between Batman, Damien, and nobody, which made oh the book. Oh my god! Funny. Yes, th- that's <laughs> the part about the book that I love. The fight scene, though, I, I mean, the little opening bit with with Batman showing a pool pass—that's fine. Uh, the fight scene, I thought, was awful. I could hardly tell what was going on sometimes. And Wayne, you're asking about how deep those knives are in. So if you look, and I don't have page numbers on this book, but uh, if you look uh, after he sinks the sixth of them in, you see the back of Batman. He's arcing his head back going, Arr! and If you look at those six knives, and that, that's at least a couple inches long. And then you look where he falls on his back and drives all six of them down to the hilt into yeah. his back. Yeah, no, that's in deep enough to to perforate uh, your your your, your lungs. Well, sorry.
2: my issues with those pages, going along with your no idea what's going on in the book, how did he sink six of them in? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, know. on one panel, you see him grabbing a knife from his side. Yeah. He's holding these knives where he, he's holding them by the hilt, but that looks like, you know, like he had had them in one finger each and stabbed him. How does he do that? He's facing him and he gets him in his back. Exactly. You'd have to like, you'd have to like bear hug him and you've got no
0: leverage trying to stab some guy in the back like that. And it, it makes no sense to me.
2: It's just, they came out of nowhere. I mean, when I was reading those pages, I'm like, did he have something that's shooting these knives or this logically is making no sense in this fight. Batman should not have six knives in his back right there. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. in the, in that, problem keeps reoccurring i mean as you read through this fight
0: scene and again nobody must have like a gazillion he must be like the ronin of uh of batman robin because every scene he's got one or two new bladed weapons in his hand and they just come out of nowhere and then how batman wins the fight
2: ridiculous yeah look how big some of those knives are i don't want to know where he was storing those knives I mean, he's like two short swords at one point
0: that he's dual wielding. It's it's ridiculous. What? <laughs> Where he got them from and the fact that they just magically appear for a panel and then disappear is ridiculous. I'm OK with people dual wielding short swords. I just like it to make sense. It, uh, oh,
3: OK, I, I, I don't know who you guys are. <laughs> this book so goddamn good.
0: I'm Andrew. That's Wayne. I,
3: I, I yeah, no, I, I got the I got that. I I just uh, this is pretty uh, et tu brute kind uh, because it was
2: a poorly choreographed fight it no is, I, really. I i
3: you know i followed it i i love the fact that he he headbutted him in the sternum and, and then threw him in the uh Acid. in the in the vat
2: so well, that's the fantastic. One, and that would have been a point if they wanted to put the headbutt earlier in then i could understand batman having six knives in his back oh he gets stabbed in the back while he's headbutting him that would make sense but he gets stabbed in the back while he's facing him that doesn't make any sense. Six at once. You just rotate them so they're on the inside of your hand because they're on a loop, and then
3: you
0: just slap them in the back. You I just, got you, it. You don't get much leverage that way.
3: Well, he's it's, a strong dude. This this French guy. I don't know.
0: Morgan. Yeah,
3: whatever. So, his, his name's not Morgan anymore. He's no. He's nobody. Don't call I me loved,
0: Morgan. So I, I, then love. you've got. So, I mean, you've got Morgan standing above him with these with these swords. You've got Batman laying flat on his face. Again, with six knives buried two to three inches into his back, and somehow he gets the momentum, the leverage, and, and the initiative to throw his head into Morgan's sternum with enough force to disable him.
2: Well, and let's face it, a head—this head in head the sternum—doesn't look nearly as bad as, say, you know, Superman fighting Doomsday and the the worst panel I can ever think of in comics. But really. Is a head versus a guy wearing an armor that good of an idea ever? No, no.
3: He's got, he's got the razor-sharp adamantine cowl tips. No. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's – I, I have to agree, disagree with you, Tim. It's, it's a bad fight sequence. But in that, it's made up – well, we should get Aaron's opinion on the fight sequence. But it's made up for it by what happens after the fight sequence. That, that makes up for my disappointment in the fighting. Aaron, what did you think about the fight?
1: Oh, I had problems with the art all through this book. Uh, God bless it. You know, I I, <laughs> I really did. I the uh, and I'm right there with you. the 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 cover was uh, was not what it ought to be. The uh, the the actions a little hard to follow because all of a sudden because you're absolutely right. I mean, all of a sudden all this, these knives just appear in Batman with really no <laughs> indication of how they got there. I mean, and there was this one moment it's like, is there somebody else there fighting him? <laughs> yeah, that we're not seeing Does somebody come up <laughs> behind him and stab him. Uh, I but. It, taking the art out of it, you know, those, the, the, the choreography of the fighting, um, I thought they were good story beats on, you know, what was going on between Morgan and Batman. I'm sorry. don't you you him Morgan. He'll kill you. Can't That's right. Again. Um, nobody. Yeah, nobody. Um, and then what happens with Damien at the end of the book, I thought all of that was very strong. I just wish that the artwork had lived up to the, to the strength of the story.
0: Yeah. Like when Batman throws that that line about, uh, you know, uh, nobody's screaming about the world doesn't need a Batman; it needs a nobody. Yeah, and then he comes back with, and it always takes a somebody to show them they're wrong. That is awesome. Yeah, that line is gold.
1: Well, just- and, there, and there's that wonderful moment where Bruce is holding, you know, nobody's head under the acid. So, you know, and and they demonstrated that that the acid is is what you know he's been using to you know do terrible things to other people. So. You know you're not thinking that it's some kind of twelve parts water one part sulfuric acid you're thinking that this is you know hardcore pure unadulterated acid gonna chew you up like like a like a uh, a swarm of piranha right yep but uh you know so he's got his head under there and you know uh. Batman says earlier in the book, did you think I'd let you torture my son and I'm not going to kill you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just real powerful. Batman is off the leash. And there's that eye contact between Damien and Bruce. And Damien actually ha- – there's the look on Damien's face that you really don't expect to see. That it's like, you know, is is this what you're going to do? Are you really going to kill him? You know, almost like he's he's afraid he's going to be disappointed in Bruce doing something that Damien himself would have recommended prior to this point in the story. Right? There's just yeah. this this wonderful and I'll say the art is very successful in communicating that. And you can see that between Bruce and Damien and that, that whole nonverbal exchange. And so he pulls, you know, nobody up, you know, chains him up and, you know, we'll just we'll just uh, take care of it. But
2: then Morgan so, or nobody eggs Damien on. Awesome scene. I was distracted with the whole acid scene by the a couple points in the art on those pages. Uh-huh. So when Bruce is getting ready to shove him in the acid, the art ver- looks pretty clear that his costume is ripped off at the shoulder. That looks like exposed skin that he's getting ready to shove into the acid. Uh huh. Yep. But apparently isn't because the acid doesn't kill him. I mean, The costume's all busted up. He's shoved into the acid, so acid is splashing everywhere, but apparently doesn't get on Bruce's face anywhere, any of his exposed skin. That that bothered, especially the where it looked like the exposed shoulder, but Morgan manages to survive it, with the acid only taking off part of his mask. Which yeah. It would still be sitting there on the mask. It's going to touch skin. No,
1: I, I was I was surprised that we didn't have, you know, disfigurement to Morgan. Um which since because of what happens later in the book, I don't know why they didn't show that to be perfectly honest.
0: Well, there's a little bit. I mean, if you look at his face when he's egging on uh Damian, I mean, you see some, you see some slight burns on his face.
3: I I want to say that I I totally bought in with the with the way that the um the conversations happened in this book. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never, I, I, I had the, the raw emotion that Batman's never been pushed to this point. Right. Like he's been ticked and broken and he's lost a sidekick. This guy tried to kill his son mm-hmm. and I'm like reading this, like the, when he breaks into the building, like ramming his Batmobile or whatever the thing is, he was driving in there to the boat. He says, yeah. He says, you try to murder my son and expect to live. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's on. And it was just so good. And, I, I, you know, I understand the, the nitpicks because I'm calling them nitpicks because I don't really care. <laughs> uh, and it's just like oh, I, there's just so much good going on. I can't, I can't even point out anything bad. And at the end, I just want to say the look that Damien gives Bruce is the look that I'm sure Andrew might get from his son if he had his hand in the cookie jar. And I'm like, this is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and that, that ending is is phenomenal. I mean, I, I, the, everything after the fight I, I, I thought was fantastic. And the that, that's is, why I'm still in for Batman and Robin number eight.
2: The ending is the only reason I might get number eight because I have to cut back some books. I'm just buying too many books right now. And this is one I've liked but I haven't loved. So it's pretty close on the chopping block, except that ending, of course, has to be a cliffhanger. So now I want to see what happens today.
3: I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The only reason it's not my book of the week is because Wolverine and the X Men came out and it was it was ridiculous
0: too, so
2: <laughs>
3: But this book was awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I can't think of a of a smooth way to transition from Batman or Robin to Scarlet Spider. I was I was working on the bat to spider thing, but it, it was pretty weak. So why don't you guys just tell me about how Scarlet Spider number
2: three was this week? So you know what I'm loving about Scarlet Spider? No. We, When you think spiders, you think, you know, these creepy, crawly things crawl around in the shadows that strike out at things. You don't get that from Spider-Man, really. Scarlet Spider, Kane, that's what this guy does. I mean, in the first couple pages, you see him stopping what could be a robbery, could be a rape. You don't know what it was going to be. He doesn't know what it's going to be by just dropping out of the sky, grabbing the guy pulling him up i mean it is the typical pulling him up
1: by his head that's what i love about it i mean he just got his his whole hand is covering the guy's face and just yanking him into the sky
2: i mean this is a spider striking the kind of thing you would see a spider do against a fly i mean that's one aspect of a spider that we don't really see anywhere else because spider-man's not that type of character
1: well and i love you know scarlet spider yanks the guy up into the sky And then drops him, catches him before he hits the hits the ground and brings him back up and then does the whole, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're going to leave town. Do you hear me forever? And if you don't, God help you, because I will hunt you down. I'll break your bones in ways that will never heal. I'll tear every piece of flesh off your body. Do you understand what I'm saying? By the end, you'll beg me to kill you. And that'll only be the beginning. Leave Houston now. <clears throat> and so he's swinging away after having you know left the guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the way Parker would have handled that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, it's like Spider-Man would have webbed the guy up and left him for the police. Yeah, <laughs> Kane not only doesn't leave him for the police, tells him to leave town and torments the guy in the process, threatening him. Okay. And, yep. Pretty sure that's how Spider-Man would do it. Wayne, favorite pa- favorite panel in the book,
1: he's fighting the sniper on the rooftop, and he leaps over and breaks the guy's arm with his feet. Yes. He leaps in the air, and he's got one foot on, on one side and the other foot pressing <laughs> down, and it's just like, crack! <laughs> and just, I was like, and you see the guy's arm just going the wrong direction. Ah, oh, it's an awesome page. I just yeah. I love how vicious he is.
0: That sounds fantastic. I, you guys are selling me on this book. The more you talk about
1: it, it really is I, very good. And I got to tell you, you know, one of the things um, that people tend to do when they set a, uh, a a comic book story outside of New York City or Metropolis or Gotham is just, you know, it's just same city with a different name. And, you know, this book is set in Houston, and there's this fantastic scene where the Scarlet Spider is swinging across town, and all of a sudden, hey, where did all the skyscrapers go? Because, you know, <laughs> it's not New York City.
2: <laughs> I love that scene. And he, com- he comes to a abrupt stop on a roof and just, like, has no clue what, d- what just happened. It's awesome. This book is really very good. What I'm loving more than anything else, I think, is that I was afraid when this book first ha- started... That it was going to basically be Kane becoming Ben Riley, right? And that's not the case. This yeah, and is I think we all kind Peter. of that. It's not Ben. This is a new character. It's not even the old Kane. Yeah. This is what Kane would be like if he wasn't disfigured because he's not disfigured anymore. I mean, very, very new, very different character, and we're seeing a different how someone else would handle having spider powers. Yep. No, I, I I big big time enjoying this book. This was
1: issue three. Um I I just it's fantastic. Fantastic. And the uh the artwork is really just just uh unique and supports the story very well. The artwork's by uh, uh, Brian Stegman, I believe, and I'm looking for the credits page. La la la. Not finding the credits page. Where the hell is the opening page on this thing? Wayne
2: Oh sure yeah, ask right after I throw it back into the uh the cage <laughs> after it's he right sets, right sets it on car. fire. Uh opening page is the the very second page. It's yeah. all the the magazines. Yeah, they're in the uh Daily Bugle top story Scarlet Spider on the right column. I want
1: us to still
0: burn a comic live on, on air someday.
2: You're the second <laughs> page? Yeah, oh, the one where
1: yeah, uh, okay, I see it. Yeah, they've got a bear okay, I see. Yeah. Ryan Stegman on pencils. Just fantastic. So ne- next episode, we're going to burn a comic. Is that what you want to do, Andrew? I Just,
0: when, you know, Wayne, what do you guys <laughs> so, yeah. I read it, then I set that sucker on fire.
3: <laughs> well, Aaron solved the mystery of where the credits page was. It only took a couple minutes on air, and I hope it was good listening. <laughs> Loki solved the mystery of Nightmare.
1: And I realize now, Tim, that you listed me as having read this, and while I picked it up, I haven't read it yet.
3: Mm. <laughs> uh, Aaron,
1: well, really really
3: remember? quickly, uh, I'll, I'll soliloquy about this one fast. Um, Loki is uh, teaming up with Damon Hellstrom to try to stop Nightmare from grabbing the little bits of fear essence that was left behind by the serpent after fear itself. Uh, nightmare um there's a there was a page a few issues back about this council of the fear lords or whatever and nightmare wasn't there when everybody else was having their giant uh i, I wish we could be as fearful as the as a serpent conversation because nightmare decided to get off his candy ass and do something about it unlike other people so anyways i uh i was very happy that um i i picked this up because i uh I double-checked um, because I, you know, missed a couple issues. Um, and uh, I, the, the writing is just as good as the last storyline, which involved Loki trying to uh, trick the uh, trick the serpent and, you know, in the process, trick just about everybody else. So uh, I would thoroughly recommend this if, if you like the previous arc. And um, if you weren't a fan of the art in the first arc, this art is much more um, – you know, more of the cleaner art that you would see, normally see in comics. It doesn't have the Grimm's Fairy Tale feel that the other one does. And I liked them both. So there it is, Journey the Mystery 635.
2: That sounds fantastic, Tim. Now, Fantastic Four, now that's good artwork. I would agree. <laughs> there we go. Next book.
1: Boom! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the artwork there uh, on Fantastic Four is by Steve Epting. And this one uh, concludes the uh great big overarching forever story that uh, hickman's been been telling and it wraps up a number of plot points that he's had active uh, since stepping on to fantastic four
2: yeah i mean this is a long time coming and yeah. because it wraps everything up so nicely this may drop into my books that i drop because i'm trying to cut a few books here and there but it was it was very good. It was a satisfying ending to that storyline. Yeah. So that's been going on since I've been reading Fantastic Four, which is a long time. I dropped off for a while and came back with the whole Galactus fight. Right. The, uh, the highlight of this issue for me and the highlight of probably any Franklin moment ever.
1: <laughs> I think they're I talking
2: can. about Galactus has all of these heralds, but Franklin only has one. To me, my Galactus. To me, my Galactus. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. He's a character bad at it, badass enough that Galactus becomes his herald. Well, and
1: you know, the thing you know is up there, you know, looking up at future uh, Franklin, you know, with his herald Galactus fighting the super celestial, and he's down on the ground with present day Franklin. He's like, kiddo, you are something else. <laughs> <laughs> It really a, a very strong book, and you know I expected it. Uh, spoiler on here, I expected it to have a tragic ending.
2: Yeah, so it's was, it sounded so much like he gave up his life fighting them. Yeah, but Franklin, and and you know the whole time Nathan
1: Richards is kind of narrating. You know, uh, Reed Richards' father, Franklin Richards' grandfather, um, is kind of narrating how you know how they came to this point. And, you are know, just going, oh, hell, oh, hell. And he's like, but, you know, Franklin figured it out. And Franklin survives, you know, future Franklin and current
2: Franklin. Uh, it was pretty damn yeah. cool. Pretty you damn see cool. him standing there in Galactus's hand with all this power <laughs> flowing around him yeah. after you think he's dead. And you realize just how powerful this character is. And then going into the epilogue here, the uh, they all this time, Rita's tried to take away Franklin's powers and... He's tried to limit them. And for the first time, and as long as I've ever seen in Fantastic Four, he's starting to try to teach Franklin to use his powers. Yeah. Teaching him to fly. Well, and there, there's a nice callback,
1: you know, from uh, earlier in the story where we saw Reed with his father, Nathan Richards, you know, and there's this nice callback where his son's afraid to, to take the leap, you know. And, you know, he says, you know, Reed says to Franklin, he says, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to fail. But to say that you're not even willing to try, that's unacceptable, Franklin. And that's the the exact same conversation that Nathan had with Reed when Reed was a boy. And I just thought that was a really nice callback in that continuing learning there. You know, uh, Nathan says to Reed earlier in the story, um, every son deserves a father. You know, and that's why Franklin has worked so hard because in f- the future Franklin's continuity, um, Reed died at this point in the story, and so he has you know committed all of this time and effort to changing that the way those events unfolded. I, I, I really enjoyed the story. It's a father and son story. It's a family story. Um, and, I, and, I, and it's one of these gigantic cosmic stories that, that I think is going to uh, weather really well. I mean, this is going to be a story
2: that I think folks call back to a lot because it was really very strong. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. One thing I'm kind of curious if they're going to deal with is how is Galactus going to take having been made the herald of somebody else <laughs> and somebody making, you know, basically waking him up? I mean, that's not the kind of thing that Galactus would take lightly,
1: well, I would think uh you know Galactus will write a thank you note to future Franklin because you know uh Galactus did have a dead body on the planet for a while and and now he doesn't, so uh you know kinda you know called him forth, I think that uh you know you say thank you to that guy that's what I think, <laughs> or
2: that's- you step on the child version of him <laughs> no,
1: he wouldn't do that. <laughs> But it does look like Future Franklin and uh, Future Val are sticking around for at least another story, you know, because we do get to see uh, in the preview art for issue six oh five. You've got uh, Future Franklin there behind uh, the thing on that uh, on that artwork, so it looks like they're gonna they're gonna hang around for a little while, you know. Not sure how that what that does to the timeline, but uh, you know, I guess all bets are off now.
2: You know, and I think this artist really does a good job of showing Val. You know the adult Val doesn't look exactly like Sue, uh-huh. but she looks so much like her. You you see the the family resemblance without it being exactly the same. Right. If you look closely, there's you can tell she's younger. She doesn't have quite as few lines on the face. The nose is more of a uh, more of like a, a stub nose than uh-huh. Sue's. So you see a lot of similarities in the two, but they don't look identical either. So
1: on the uh, preview artwork for FF number 17, you see Spider-Man uh, coming up behind Johnny Storm, who is eating from uh, Peter's box of cereal. And the point that I want to make is that there is a brand of breakfast cereal called
2: Things. Things. I imagine it looks <laughs> a lot like Captain Crunch. <laughs> I, I bet it has marshmallows. Yeah,
0: maybe. I was just
2: thinking marshmallows, human torches.
0: Yeah, I, I was just amused by that. Yancey Street approved, I assume.
1: <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. So, yeah, Fantastic Four, 604, get you some. It was good stuff.
0: Well, let me tell you what about a book that I read this week that was also fantastic. Superbia by Grace Randolph from Boom Studios, issue number one, uh, had art by Russell Dodderman and just, uh, I thought, a beautiful cover by Ale
2: Garza. Yeah, Hope this book that. is on, like, its third printing or so, because it keeps selling out.
0: Yeah, it, you know Grace Randolph wasn't someone I was really familiar with. She was the creator and writer. I, looking through the internet, she's done you know some stuff on Marvel heroes, some stuff on Muppet Peter Pan. She actually is an actor as well. She's been on a, a few movies, but um, I gotta tell you, the the, the general premise of the story is you've got this neighborhood where all these people live together. And basically they're a super legion called the Meta Legion, and they're kind of following what the wives do all day while the guys go off to fight and Before he thinks it's sexist, there is one female hero on the team, so you see what his the house husband does and <laughs> it's one you know basically they've got this guy named Sovereign who's basically in my Superman. opinion well I was going to say he seems like more to me like the Plutonian moments before he cracked. Uh, you have Night Fox. You've got Batu, the daughter of the Bright Moon. She's awesome. You've got the Omega Marine, Bulldog, and the Cosmic Champion, and uh, the hodgepodge of wives that are c- connected to these guys just make me giggle. Wayne, what'd you think?
2: I I love this book. It is, you know, I was expecting it to be funny, but I didn't expect so many of the plot points. I love the digs that they take at superheroes, things like God uh, sovereign's wife asks them to take out the trash. And he's like, darling, I don't really think that's a job for me <laughs> before he flies away. But she's got a, She's got a lunch for him
0: as he goes by. She's like, your lunch. He's like, I don't eat as he flies off.
2: Well, and I love that instead of being like a Lois Lane type character, she's a criminal. You know, she's someone that's you know on parole.
0: Yeah, she's a former super villain. Who basically they talk about a little in the book that you know someone's like I thought she was in jail. He's like, well, when someone like the sovereign asks the U.S. government for a favor, uh, they typically do it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he took this caged heat situation; it just made her uh, made her his wife, and now they live together.
3: You know, I I, I was able to uh, read this one this morning, and uh, this this is like a guilty pleasure
2: book. I can just. Uh, <laughs> yeah god it is desperate housewives of it superheroes is.
0: well and like when the uh when the night fox's wife comes home a day early from her trip <coughs> but what she finds i'm not gonna spoil it but what she finds is that's just fantastic <laughs> it's very much a stab i would say at batman
2: oh yeah. I, I love as they're fighting about what she finds sovereign is just listening in from another house because because they're having this argument and night fox's
0: wife gets this call and it's sovereign's wife she's like well now if i were in your situation i would do this and this and this and she hangs up she's like how does she know and night fox is like oh christ sovereign must be
2: listening yeah and they come back to it's like so what are they talking about now that she hung up with me
0: (laughs) well then batu is like this wonder woman primal wonder woman s character and uh She's got a husband and two two children, one boy and one girl.
3: Not not husband Andrew,
0: mate. She's a mate. That's right. <laughs> she has one. She has a mate. <laughs> and she's got this one daughter who she's trying to raise, and so you know, think of this daughter as being this you know six year old, seven year old, uh, standard American girl, and so they're chasing this pig around the backyard for breakfast, and Batu just takes its head off with this with this uh, uh, battle axe, and she's like. Come, son. Come, daughter. I shall tell you how to field dress a kill. <laughs> they walk off.
2: I have the bacon that. that you love. <laughs> why? Why can't we eat breakfast like a normal family? <clears throat> to your mother, this is normal.
0: Yeah. As they chase the pig around the backyard. Uh. So it's it's funny. It does take a lot of digs. I'm I'm really quite interested, and it's it's on my pull list, and I'm I'm excited about it.
2: Yeah, and it's a four issue miniseries, so this isn't something that's gonna go on forever. Oh, is it only a miniseries? Yeah, it's a miniseries.
0: Oh, darn it. Dang it. Fudge. <laughs> fudge, huh? Oh, fudge. <laughs> I'm not oh Paul.
1: sugar. <laughs>
2: I'm not I'm I'm not hair trigger. I don't curse like a <laughs> sailor. You know, suddenly with Paul gone missing. Our we've lost the explicit tag. We're back to a family friendly podcast. <laughs> no, no jo- that's not true. No, Jonathan. No, Paul. It, it cleans up a lot though.
3: Well, yeah, that's yeah.
1: True.
3: I might have thrown an F bomb in there. Um, well, uh,
1: well, how does our nudicles conversation play in
2: though?
3: Uh, tragically, <laughs>
2: hey, that is a that is a medical enhancement for animals. That's appropriate. Uh, <laughs> It's wrong in every way, but it's appropriate. It's
3: not really an enhancement if you're just fixing what you just did.
2: It's cosmetic. It's cosmetic. Well, I mean, you can, you can have enhancement
0: surgery that's cosmetic, uh, such as around the breast area. That's just enhancement. It's still, you know, surgery.
3: But he, they didn't take the breasts out and then put bigger ones in.
0: Well, it, sometimes, you know, with chemo, not to take this in a, in a weird direction, but when people have mastectomies after having breast cancer, they, they go back in and reconstruct it using uh, implants.
3: Yeah. Should we have a caveat that if your dog had testicular cancer, it, it's okay to get
0: neuticles?
1: I guess. No, no, is it's never. Is that okay what you
3: were angling for there?
1: Andrew? I guess.
3: All right.
1: So, did you guys read Saga this week? Who I read did. Saga with me? I, did. I didn't read Saga. I read Saga.
3: I read Sega. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but real quick, go buy Suburbia One. Uh, it's on Comixology. I I didn't. Apparently, the actual physical copies sold out a lot. Um, go support this Boom title, and and it, it'll be well worth your money. I, I was trying I, to remember if it's a two ninety nine or three ninety a book, okay, I don't remember. But
1: and Doesn't my matter. plan is to read Superbia this week, so I'll okay. Some- but let's next week on it. let's move
0: on to a new image title from a new Boom title to a new image title. And, and Aaron, tell us all about.
1: Now I'm gonna have to try really hard not to say it the way you say it. Go <laughs> tell us about Saga number <laughs> one. Well, however you'd like to pronounce it. Uh Saga is the uh, new title from Brian K. Vaughn with art by Fiona Staples. And, you know, you you really get a sense of how the how the book is going to roll out just on the first panel. Because, you know, there there is the image of a woman. It's just the first page, first panel, image of a woman. Uh, there is some narrative text in the background that says this is how an idea became real. And the face of this woman, she's just you know gritting with effort, sweat running down her face, leaning forward. Am I shitting? It feels like I'm shitting. And you're like, okay. And she's well, actually, that, I'm sorry. There's that explicit tag back. Go on. <laughs> and she's giving birth. Um, you open up the next page and you see that she has some uh, wings, a small pair of wings, and the uh, fellow with her. Her, her uh, I don't know if we, I, her 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 husband. Has ram horns, um, so you know you're in kind of a different world. Um, lots of uh, of uh, colorful conversation in the book. These two people are on the run. They're on the run because they have they they are enjoying a forbidden love, and worse yet, they've proven that these two people from two different races can reproduce together. Um, it is a it is a I, I think the book is just. Fantastic! In that it's a whole new world, something we haven't seen before. Um, I I'm not sure I particularly like both of these characters, but they're interesting, and I really en- really have enjoyed uh, throughout the pages of this book all the different factions that we get to see. You know, you've got you've got uh, you know the the different politics on each side of things, um, the the uh, folks who are in power. Uh, live on this great big planet, largest planet in the galaxy, and their moon has the 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 less enfranchised members of the of their society, a different race that uh, are really second class citizens. Yeah, the hippies. Yeah, and uh, I I gotta say I, I really dig really dig the book, Tim. I'm gushing about it. Tell me what you thought.
3: Uh, you know, I thought it was a solid book. I, I you know the the style that I liked was I liked the. The, like the handwriting on on some of the panels,
1: yeah, for which the narration,
3: apparent, yeah, which yeah. is apparently from the 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 baby,
1: uh-huh.
3: you know, telling the story in the future. I re, I really enjoyed that storytelling beat. You're right, this was different. Um, I liked most of the races. I don't like the TV heads.
1: No, they're disturbing. I'm,
3: no, How, I'm not it, a fan of that.
1: Did you not like the TV head sex? No. No. <laughs> Not at all. No. I I really dug the TV head sex. <laughs> that is things about you you don't want. <laughs> to know.
3: I, I mean, mean it, pro- it it does it does its job in proving that everything is pretty weird. <laughs> but still, huh. I don't. Yeah. So I, I I I thought it was I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I I I, I like the way they they told the story. And you're right. This is something you don't you don't see too often in comics this, this level of innovation yeah. everything's very very weird here so
1: well you know uh, brian k vaughn's the same guy that brought us why the last man and i profoundly disliked why the last man and i know that you, makes you, me an you out- hate it. yeah i and, and i know that makes me an outlier in uh in comics fandom
2: so yeah, i was a little makes you wrong
1: <laughs> I, so i was a little dubious about you know picking up another you know brian k vaughn uh creator-owned project but, wow, he, he had me early on in this book. I really enjoyed it. Now, Andrew, you read it? I did. Tell us what you thought.
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and echo you guys with it's very different. It's, <laughs> I think we can all agree it's very, very different. Much like Tim, the uh, you know, when it's just the one computer head guy leading the Coalition Strike Force, that, that was okay. When it got to the two TV head guys having explicit uh, – People, one male and female, having explicit sex with the TV heads. That
1: that wasn't right. I really I love that page. And let me tell you what I like about the page. Number one, oh, you know, <laughs> it, it is it is explicit sex. It is uh, you know the 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 television head people are are enjoying some doggy style action. But what I like is that it's realistically depicted. Short of the television heads. You know heads are so wrong the uh, the 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 woman you know typically what you 'll see in these kinds of things is you know where the woman 's body is just you know uh, hyper stylized, not realistic at all and these there there are aspects of each of these pages. That has, has the look of a nude study to it. I mean, the yeah. woman's arms are the appropriate length. Her legs are the appropriate length. Her breasts look like real breasts. I mean, that's what I really responded to on this page is, is how beautifully rendered the, uh, the sex scene was. It was sexy without being sexist. It was, it was sex portrayed in a non-gratuitous manner. You know, I mean, I, I agree
2: you,
0: that they did portray their bodies very realistically. I mean, they're, they're obviously both in shape, but they're not these, you know, caricatures of what men and women look like you see a lot in comics.
1: Yeah. And you know, for the but, ladies, a little male full frontal.
0: But so, uh, but computer
1: head. Com, computer. <laughs> I don't care about the male. That's fine. I don't. Yeah. I'm fine with the male full front. computer head. Okay, so let me let me just stop you right there. If your partner could have a monitor head. So no. that you could watch Game of Thrones while you're, no. while you're getting your freak on. Wouldn't that be awesome? No. It'd be distracting. It or, would be horrifying. Or, or it could run porn. Horrifying so. still. <laughs> I, don't horrifying. You. I don't understand you, Andrew. It's like we're from two different worlds. <laughs> uh. It's like it's like if we had races
0: like us, we'd be going to war, and then we'd have to expat that export that war to other planets because we didn't want to ruin our planet with it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So let me finish, but but just to finish up, so you know, it's very different. Uh, watching the guy gnaw on the umbilical cord and say, "Ah, didn't think we'd be
1: this grisly." Yeah. Yeah. A little disturbing, well, but yeah. accurate. Well, and you see that on that page and you're still early enough in the book that you don't know who everyone is and what the relations are. You think so, there's a moment where you're like, Oh God, what's going on there? You know, is, is he about to eat the baby? <laughs> Cause you know, baby's good
0: eating. Uh, you know, talk <laughs> about people who are normally depicted. Like, so if you go a little farther, you see, you meet this guy named the will, you meet Vez, who hired him. These are not people who are drawn to be beautiful. Right. These are people drawn to look realistic. And, yeah. and I do appreciate that. Uh, it's very bizarre. I imagine I'll be getting the second one. I'm I'm interested enough to keep going. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to gush about it. It's it's interesting. It's different. I'm I'm gonna give it. I like to. I'm gonna support another issue and and see where it goes. Uh, but I'm not gonna run the flag up for
1: it. I, I'm digging it and I'm in for number two. How about you, Tim? Uh, I
3: think I'm kind of more in Andrew's camp, but it's de- it's getting another issue. So
1: pretty good week for comics,
0: I think. Oh yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Really, really though, I was really thinking Superman Seven was coming out this week, and I'm, I'm, you know, I am a Superman naysayer, but
1: you got Dan Juergens on it, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. Now, Andrew, you, you saw, of course, that iPad three came out this week. I did. You know, I, 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 I'm, you know, rocking my iPad two, and I've decided I'm, I'm not going to be upgrading just yet because I'm very happy with the performance of my iPad two. But I did sure. see something yesterday that, that grabbed my attention. Comixology has upgraded their app for iPad 3 mm. to allow uh, HD quality comic viewing. Ooh. And the reviews I've seen are that I mean that the the pages just come alive that uh, you know a lot of times like you're uh, having to re- read in the guided view just so you can read the box text mm-hmm. and they're saying that the, that the resolution is so high that you don't even have to go through guided view you can actually do it through the screen.
0: I, on my iDevices, I usually go every other generation. And so. That's typically what I do as well.
1: What, what's no. the matter, Tim? What's the you, matter? No, come on, no, come this on! This is this
3: is this is ridiculous.
1: Talk to me, we talk just to
3: me. We we're on the last five minutes of this podcast, <laughs> and, and you thought you, you were going to throw escape. It, You just throw at this freaking <laughs> goddamn grenade about comicsology. <laughs> Comic book apps? You gotta be kidding me, Aaron.
1: You found your rage, Tim.
3: God, <laughs> you, you should have put it in the show notes so I could know that that's a good time to go to the bathroom. You guys Tim, from comics.
0: Tim got his rage back.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> well, how did this happen? Why did this happen?
2: It's just well, a. We can't go an episode without talking about digital comics.
3: Oh, apparently not. It's yeah. the
2: natural
0: evolution of the medium, man. It's it's you, five years from now, you're not gonna be able to buy a physical book.
2: Shut
3: up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe you can. You can still buy CDs, but I mean, most people aren't going to be buying CDs in five years. I mean, they aren't going to be buying books like just like most people don't buy CDs anymore.
1: I'm not most people.
0: I, I know you're special.
1: That's right. Like you ride the short bus to school. No, that, that's, <laughs> that's <so> special. <laughs> uh, this podcast uh, is over. All right, <laughs> None of
3: this
0: is you, guys you guys go to- out. Yeah, you all have a great week
3: you going to have an e week
0: i hope michigan state does a really you know i'm going to be a big man i hope michigan state has a good run i hope they but, don't get
1: beat by norfolk state norfolk is going to crush them so says paul <laughs> so says paul so, so says say we all <laughs> <laughs> bye everybody bye. bye podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com